Well, good morning. It is good to see you. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we began looking at Ephesians chapter 4 last week. I already apologized last week because Ephesians 4 was going to be one week, and then it, was, it turned into three weeks. Um, and I'll apologize again because now the three weeks in Ephesians 4 has turned into four weeks. And so um, whether that is contentious to you or not, I still apologize. Uh, and I'll tell you why. I tried, because I knew that I told you last week it was going to be three weeks it would be in there. And so I tried to stick with that. But every time this week that I sat down to study this text there was a particular way that I thought would be useful to teach it. And every time I looked at it fresh and new, I had that exact same thought. And so this, this way that I'm going to teach it for the next three weeks is really the only way the Lord would give me a piece about it. I just continued to have um, what one of my pastor friends calls a liver quiver every time I tried to do it the other way. And so uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at this. So we saw verses 1 through 6 last week. That call for unity and peace, to work towards unity and peace in the body. So in our remaining verses that we'll look at this week and then two weeks coming, we have verses 7 through 16. In these verses, Paul, we're going to see him talking a lot about this idea of equipping the saints, building one another up, growing up into Christ, right? This, these ideas, whether you're using the, the metaphor of a body that's maturing or whether you're using the, the picture of a building that is under construction, it's this idea of something that is maturing and growing, which fits right along with, in our series, what we are calling nurturing or edifying, right? This is the idea. And I think really an overarching idea in these remaining verses is this. That where you start spiritually, once you become a Christian, where you start is not where you want to end. Where you are right now spiritually is not where you want to stay. Whether we recognize it or not, we all have spiritual growing and maturing that needs to take place in our lives. So Paul in these verses is going to show us what the role of church leaders is in helping you to grow and mature. Paul is going to show us what the role of church members, other church members is, of every church member, what that role is in this growing and maturing. But before we get to that, I want us to spend some time today, and this is where I really changed the idea this week. I want us to just today, look at the goal. What is the goal? As I'm trying to grow in spiritual maturity, as I'm still under construction, as I'm still in this process of being edified and nurtured and growing up, where am I headed? What, what is all of this going to bring about in my life? And for me, it resonates this way. Some of you know, uh, this week we were blessed to have the opportunity, several of us, to be able to go down to Emmanuel in New Orleans and help them work on their building. And so we we're doing some construction stuff there. And while we were there, I, got, I happened to get to see laying out on the table there the blueprints. The blueprints for the building. And so any of you that have ever done any sort of construction, uh, you understand that, there, that you start out with this plan, right? This is where we are headed. And when you see that plan, 
It shows you what you're working toward. It shows you how many electricians, how many roofers, how many carpenters you need, what sort of work they need to do. And it also tells you this. It tells you when there's still work to be done, and it tells you when you have arrived at the final project. These blueprints is really what I want to show for you today. What is the blueprint for our spiritual growth? What should we look like in spiritual maturity? How will we know when we've arrived? And I think we're going to see that in the text today. So look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple more verses and we're really going to consider deeply today, but they just give a little more context. So Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, is speaking of Christ, the one that's given these gifts here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And we'll look at that in depthly next week. But listen closely to verses 13 and 14 that we'll consider today. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Before we consider this text, if y'all would pray with me. Father God, I am thankful. I'm thankful to be with your people in your presence. Lord, I'm thankful for the gift that corporate worship is. I'm thankful for us to, uh, in a unified sense, raise our voices to sing your praises. Lord, to look forward to the day that you do come to be with us. Father, for us to pray together, for us to read scripture together. And Lord, now for us to consider your word together. Help us to do that. Lord, I know there are a lot of things that people have going on this afternoon and a lot of things that went on yesterday. Lord, I pray that you would protect our minds from thinking about things to come or things in the past. But Lord, for right now, help us to focus just on this text. Lord, help me to clearly and concisely share the truth of your word with your people for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Paul here begins in verse 13, where we're really picking up today. He tells us that he's showing us where we're headed. When he says, until we all attain... It's this idea of until we arrive at a certain place, we're going to continue to be built up, right? We're still under construction. We're still in the maturation process until we attain or arrive at this particular place. And so then what he does for the rest of verse 13 is lay out what that's going to look like. This is the blueprint. This is when you get here, you'll know that you've arrived. You'll know that you have attained full maturity. So what does that look like? How can we see this measuring stick to know how much further we have to go? Well, he gives us three phrases that are giving us one picture, right? These are three angles of the same thing. So the first one that he says here in verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is one phrase that he gives to us. We are looking to see, have we achieved unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God? Now, Paul here is using the word faith in a different way than we normally use it. Right? When we say faith, we usually mean belief. 
right? We use those interchangeably. You say, I have faith in God. You're saying, I believe in God. I have faith in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. That's how we normally say it. He's not using it that way. He's speaking about faith as if it's an, it's an objective thing. It isn't the idea of believing. It's what we believe. He's using it in that sense. So when he talks about unity of the faith, he's talking about that we are unified in our understanding of what Scripture teaches. We're unified in doctrine and in theology. We're, we're unified in our understanding of the Word of God. He's already used it this way. We saw it last week in chapter 4, verse 5. He said, there's one Lord and one faith, right? We don't all have the same belief, but we all believe the same thing. We believe in the same person. We believe because of the same Word of God. And that's what he's talking about here. We should continue to devote ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God until we all understand and can agree on the foundational teachings of Scripture. That's what he's talking about here. This idea is um, difficult to imagine for us, but it's, it's this beautiful thought that at some point, if we are, when we are at the point that we are all completely spiritually mature, we are all completely built up to the point that we need to be. We will not disagree about doctrinal things. We will all have the same understanding of the truth of God's Word. Now, we're not there yet, right? We have disagreements amongst our own body here, much less us with other Christians. Uh, sometimes we enjoy debating those things and discussing those things, but at one day, we will all agree on those things. It's not yet. He also gives us here, I believe, an example, at least one example of what sort of things. Brother Zach, when you say we should all agree on the foundational principles of the faith, what sort of things do you have in mind, or what sort of thing did Paul have in mind? And I think he gives us a hint here, because in this one phrase he says, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, who do you think he's talking about whenever he refers to the Son of God? He's talking about Jesus, right? We agree on that. So, so Paul here gives us at least an idea. What, what, is, what are some of the foundational doctrines that we should agree on, that we should all have knowledge about? And it's Jesus. And you say, well, that's good because I feel like I'm pretty good here, right? When he says, you need to know about Jesus, we say, well, I know about Jesus, right? Jesus is God, and he is also God's Son, Right? He came and he lived a perfect life and he died in my place, paying the price for my sins, and he was resurrected and he's coming again one day. And all those things are true. But I would also contend that none of us, no human being that's walked on this earth outside of Christ himself, has fully and completely understood Jesus, the Son of God. A couple of things that you could think on are the eternal nature of Christ, right? The fact that he has always existed and was never created. I don't think our minds can comprehend that. The, the idea that he existed as the capital W word before creation ever took place and that all things that were created were created through him and for him. Exactly what that means, his role in creation 
His incarnation, last year I read an entire book written by one of the church fathers a long, long time ago. And the book was titled, The Incarnation. It was an entire book trying to understand that, that Jesus, who is God in heaven, became a human being and was a human being while also being God, right? God incarnate, Jesus Christ in human flesh. How does that work? Understanding all of Jesus' teachings and what they mean. Understanding His death and His resurrection and the power of God in making that happen. Understanding His intercessory work on our behalf now, what that looks like. How much faith that should give us. Understanding the fullness and depth of His love. Understanding his return, and what that will look like, and when that will happen, right? We can go on and on. There are things about Christ that we do not agree on because we don't fully understand those things. And now, I, I understand that I'm giving a lot of things here, and I don't mean to make this seem unattainable. But this is what I'm hoping to do here. This is why I'm giving you all of these things. I want you to say this in your mind right now. I'm hoping that you hear this and you say, you know what, I still have work to do. I really pray that's where you are. I'm praying that as you see this, that you're not thinking, yes, everybody else here needs to hear this because they've got some work to do and they've got some growing to do, but I'm pretty good. I pray that as you're hearing these things in verse 13, you're saying, I'm not there yet. So that next week when we talk about the role of the pastors and teachers in the church, you will see them as valuable for you. And whenever we talk the next week about the role of all the other church members in building you up, you'll say, they are valuable and I need that. I pray that you're looking at this blueprint and you're saying, I need some help in getting to where I need to be. And I also think that this is particularly, verse 13 is particularly helpful in this idea that, that we should all, and that's what he says, right? We all attain to the unity of the faith. He's not just talking about the pastors here. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers. He's talking about all of us, all Christians. And it's a reminder that studying the deep things of Scripture, understanding doctrinal matters, understanding theological implications of Scripture is not something that's only important for me and for your Sunday school teacher. This is for all of us. We should all be trying to understand the gospel in its entirety, in Christ in his entirety, and how those things have implications and play out in the life of the church and in the life of your family. And for you as a husband or as a wife or as a child, how these things have bearing on that, that's for all of us. This is important for all of us. And so I pray that you're challenged in that way. He gives us another angle of this this maturity, right? There's the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then he just gives a simple phrase, to mature manhood. This is one of those word pictures that's helpful for me that we see in Scripture sometimes, right? It's a word, but it really draws this picture for us. In the next verse, in verse 14, he talks about no longer being children, right? Spiritual children, but instead being mature, spiritual, grown up to the point of what we would say, manhood. And it, and it really draws this picture in my mind of the difference in me whenever I was 8 or 10 years old and me now. The way that, that I've grown, the things that I have learned, the difference in who I was then and who I am now. 
Right? How much more steadfast and settled I am now than I was then. Even than I was 10 years ago. Whenever I think about myself 10 years ago, I can think about all sorts of things that I might would have changed about myself if I thought that it would have changed the way that other people looked at me or the way that they accepted me. But now as I grow older and I hear this from brothers and sisters that are saints that have lived even longer than I have, you start to worry much less about what other people think and you are settled in who you are. You are grounded in what you believe is right and best and you stay there. And we see this picture here that spiritually... Whenever we are newborns, whenever we are new Christians, that, that a lot of times we, we can just want to try and fit in. We can maybe be a little more charismatic than we want to be because that's what some people that we know are like. Or we can want to sing these sort of songs in church. Or I can want to do these Bible studies or listen to these pastors because it's what other people do. But as we grow and as we mature in the Word and as we learn more about Christ and who we are in Him, I think that we become much more steadfast and settled. We know what is right and we stay on that whether other people like it or not. It's this difference in being like a child and being like a mature man, a grown person. And corporately and individually, we need to be working toward that. Being more settled in who we know Christ wants us to be. And not as worried about what everybody else thinks. And then here's the last one. And if you so far thought, no, you know what, I'm pretty good, Brother Zach. I really think I'm hitting these pretty well. The last one really kind of hits pretty hard, I think. So there's the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. There's mature manhood in the last phrase he gives us in verse 13. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what Paul's saying here in case you missed it the first time through. Until you are as spiritually mature as Jesus Christ himself, there's work yet to be done. This is the blueprint. You go pull up the blueprint and you say, I know that I've been growing, I know that I've been learning, and I know that God wants me to mature and become more spiritually uh, grounded and built up. But what is the end goal? What will I look like? And you pull up the blueprint and you look and there's a picture of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, until you get there, you still need to grow. You need to be nurtured. You need to be edified. You need to be working on being more like Him. To the stature and the fullness of Christ. Point one this morning is this. Maturity is the goal. Full spiritual maturity. The maturity of Christ. This is the goal. And that seems daunting, does it not? We see that and you hear that, and at least to me that seems like that is obviously hyperbole because that's unattainable, but that's not, this is not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. This is our goal and plan. Glorification to the point that we are as sinless in practice as we are in standing before God. We are completely sinless before God because of Christ's atoning death. And one day, not here, one day we will be just as sinless in practice. You will never sin anymore 
once we reach the point of glorification. Until we get there, until you achieve that, there's growing to be done. There's work to be done. But don't be sad. Don't be upset. Don't think that I've just given you a goal that you can't think. Even in growing to get there, God has given us everything that we need. He has given us the perfect word of God. God breathed word that is profitable for all these sorts of growth. He has given us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to grow in this way. He has given us one another and he has given us gifted leaders. And all these things are going to help us get there. And we'll see that in the next couple of weeks. But the next thing, the other thing I want to see today is verse 14. Once we get there, or as I continue to become more spiritually mature, what sort of differences will I notice in my life? Right? If, if I'm committed to this, if I commit myself to this, I'm trying to sell you on trying to become more spiritually mature. That's what I'm doing right here. What's in it for you? Right? What's in it for the kingdom? What sort of things will you notice in your life if you work towards being more spiritually mature? And he tells us in verse 14. He says, so that, right? He's explaining that we, will, we are working towards this so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And then he gives us the converse of that, and we'll look at that next week. But let me be clear here, because I've kind of, in Paul's writing here and in my writing, we've kind of hammered on children a little bit. So let me, let me be clear that children are not bad, right? I, just, I've, I want y'all to say, well, you know what Brother, Brother Zach said this morning? I don't remember anything else, but he talked about children like they're bad a lot, man. It's, it's much better to be a grown man than it is to be a child. That's, all right, so let's be clear. It's not what Paul's saying. It's not what I'm saying either. But remaining children for all of your life is unnatural. We can agree on that, amen? Right? We love kids. We love babies, and we love how cute kids and babies are. But we don't want our babies to remain babies forever. As much as sometimes we talk about that, and as much as we talk about wanting time to slow down, what we do expect to see is their body working the way that God has made it, and for them to grow physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually for them to grow into mature in a natural way. Physically, with our children, that's what we expect. And spiritually, Paul's telling us here, it's the same thing. To be a new Christian is an amazing thing, right? Whenever somebody recognizes their need for Jesus Christ and their sinfulness and that, that He can redeem them and that He can reconcile them to God when they respond in faith. And so... To, to have made this clear declaration of faith in Jesus Christ where everything in the faith is new and exciting and wonderful. This is a great thing. But to stay there perpetually is not natural. We should be growing and maturing spiritually just as our children should be growing and maturing physically. Hebrews chapter 5, the writer of Hebrews says it this way for us. Beginning in verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And this is what we desire to be working toward, right? Maturity. Being able to tell good from evil through the practice of studying God's Word and spending time with God. Having the power of discernment trained into you through growing spiritually to being less susceptible to the lies of false teachers and the lies of Satan and the temptations of sin that he and this world bring to us. As you grow, as you mature, you are less susceptible to temptation and sin. As you grow, as you mature, you understand right from wrong more. As you grow, as you mature, we see here, you're able to teach other people. You are less of an easy target for people that are teaching things that are not doctrinally sound. And that's what he's telling us here that we should be working towards. I thought of an example of this uh, in, in my own life whenever I was younger. I used to work with a guy, and he was from Texas. Uh, and, and this guy was, was an interesting fellow. And uh, at this point in my life, I had learned about jackalopes. Do you all know what jackalopes are? I should have had a picture for y'all this morning. Right, so we're talking about like a jackrabbit with, with antlers, right? So y'all ever seen a picture of this? Like a jackrabbit, it's got deer antlers. And so at this point in time, I didn't know, and some of y'all are going to laugh, and you're thinking, I hope he tells me the answer because I don't know either. But I didn't know if jackalopes were real or not. And so this guy's from Texas. I sure the guy from Texas knows if jackalopes were real. So I asked him, man, hey, when you lived in Texas, did you ever see a jackalope? Well, of course, what did he say? Yeah, sure thing. Seen them running all over. And so he's telling me about these jackalopes, and boy, I'm just eating it up, you know, oh, jackalopes, jackalopes. Until he says, one day I saw a big one. Tell me about it. Boy, it had, and he goes on and on about how many points it had. Goes on and on about how big it is. And again, man, I'm just, I'm right in there. And then he ends with this. It was so big, it could stand flat-footed and use the bathroom, not his words, use the bathroom in the back of a dump truck. And I knew I'd been duped. <laughs> Everybody there died out laughing. But you know what happened my, my youth, my ignorance, and when I say ignorance here, I mean literal ignorance. Anytime I use it in these next few sentences, that's what I'm talking about. My uneducatedness, my not having been taught or trained, my ignorance, my youth, my naivety, it got the best of me. And he used it to get me to believe something that was not true. Now, thankfully, it didn't really hurt anything except for my pride for just a little bit. But as I grew, as I've continued to grow, as I've continued to learn more and more things, I'm much more sensitive to when people are telling the truth and when people are not telling the truth. I'm much more educated about a lot of things 
And it's much harder to get me to believe things that are not true. And I'm not telling you that you can't dupe me. I don't want y'all to all go take turns trying to get me to believe something that's not true. That's not a fun game for me to play. But it is harder to do that. And spiritually speaking, as we grow, as we learn, as we are less ignorant of God and the things of God, as we are less naive, it is much harder to get us to believe these lies. This, look with me again at verse 14 because this is Paul's wording to describe this process. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So what are some examples? I want to give you just a couple of examples of false teachings, of false doctrines, of evil schemes that I see that young Christians are often susceptible to, that they often fall into. And, and one of the more prevalent ones in the last couple of decades has been believing the prosperity gospel. There are a lot of younger, less mature, more ignorant on the teachings of God's Word Christians that have been taught that if you have enough faith that God will never allow you to be sick, that God will never allow you to be uncomfortable, and that God will never allow you to be poor. And I can tell you this, that's not found in the Scriptures. But there are a lot of brothers and sisters that believe that. Because they've been taught that. Because this lie is one that has, is perpetually told by people that I believe are teaching a false gospel. Believing that there are areas of sin that God will allow you to do if it makes you happy. This is one that I hear often. I, I served on staff with a minister who left his wife of 30-something years and was convinced that it was okay because what God wanted is for him to be happy. That was a brother who started out as a spiritual infant and was still a spiritual infant. Brothers and sisters, as we continue to learn more about God and God's character and God's calling for us, you will recognize that there's never an instance where God is okay with you sinning. That's, that does not happen. That's what sin is, is going against the will of God. If it makes you happy, it is still sin and it is still wrong, and He would still have you not to do that. Just a couple, uh, several that I'll run through quickly here without a lot of explanation. Believing that Jesus is not God, but is actually a created being, or any other false teaching of false Religions, believing that church is not important, believing that understanding the Bible is only for clergy and pastors and Sunday school teachers, believing that some parts of the Bible aren't valuable because they're harder to understand, believing that heaven and hell aren't real or that either one of them is not real. All of these things are false teachings that young Christians are much more susceptible to believe. That at one point in time, you and I, if a pastor would have stood up and said these things, that we would have been likely to believe them because we are believing what is told to us by people in authority positions because we didn't know better. But I pray that as we continue to grow, that we're less susceptible to false doctrines and false teachings. That we're less susceptible to sin and the temptations of sin. 
that we look more like Christ in the wilderness, who every time he was tempted had an answer from God's word and refuted those temptations. That's what we're growing up into. That's what we want to be. That's what we're trying to get. Point two, maturity produces steadfastness. And this is a calling for us in, in scriptures, to be steadfast and immovable. That's the idea we're talking about here, right? A boat that is anchored, we would say it's steadfast. It is there, it is set, it is hard to move it, and that's what we want to be. Not being hard-headed, but being hard-headed about the things of God. Being hard-headed about the things of Scripture. I don't care who you are. I don't care how authoritative your position is. If you try and talk me into doing something that Scripture says I shouldn't, I will not do it. That's who we want to be. That's where we want to be. That's where we are headed. And the last thing that I will do is to try and reassure you because, again, this seems like a daunting task. This level of maturity, this level of steadfastness and immovability, this this depth of understanding of God's Word seems like it is far off for many of us. And it's easy sometimes to say, I can't get there and to just get discouraged and say, well, then I'm just not going to try. Right? It's like if you need to lose five pounds, you think you can do it. But if you need to lose 105 pounds, it seems like that's too much. I just can't do it. So I'm just going to stay where I am. I don't want you to do that spiritually. Don't say that's too hard. So I'm just going to stay where I am. Let me reassure you with this fact. Christ is the one that made this blueprint. And Christ has also equipped you with everything that you need to get there. He, he knows the blueprint. He made the plan. He knows what you need to get there. And He's given you all of it. Just imagine this. It's like a road trip. And so Jesus has said, this is where you're driving to. And here's the car. And it's got enough gas. And here are snacks. And here are the directions. And I'm going to give you everything you need to get from here to there. And you don't have to stop till you get there. That's what this process looks like. Because through His perfect life and atoning death and resurrection, He's given us all that we need to become spiritual infants. To be born again. And then through the Holy Spirit and through the Word and through the church, He has given us everything that we need to then grow from being those spiritual infants to being mature men. Being mature adults spiritually. He's given us all that we need. And one day, brothers and sisters, write this down, take this to the bank, we will get there. It is coming. It's a promise of Scripture. This is the last thing I'll do for us today, is to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 8 through 12. It says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And listen closely to verse 12. For now... We see in a mirror dimly. But then, when Christ comes, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Brothers and sisters, here's the promise. 
it is coming. One day, we will be in the presence of Christ. We will see Him face to face. We will all be unified in our understanding of the doctrines of the grace of God that have saved us and brought us to where we are. And we will know fully, even as fully as God knows us now. Point three, the last point is this. Maturity comes from God. That's the goal we're headed to. The level of the maturity of the stature of the fullness of Christ. As we grow in it, you will notice more steadfastness in your life. And one day, as we're with Christ in His perfect kingdom, we will be mature. So let me ask you this question, these questions this morning. First one is, are you dedicated to this? Is this something that you are working towards actively in your life? Are you a Christian that has been born again, that has placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and that is continuing to grow to be more and more like Him? If not, I would like to talk to you. I would love the chance to have a conversation with you. I'm not going to beat you over the head with Scripture. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be mean or ugly to you. I'm not going to pressure you in any way. But I believe that as we look at Scripture together, that you could become convinced by the work of the Holy Spirit of your need of Christ and your need to grow to be more like Him. So if you're not convinced of those things, if you're not committed to those things, I would love to have some time to sit down and talk to you. If you are convinced of these things, that this is your goal, this is your blueprint, it's to measure up to the stature and fullness of Christ, and you know that you're not there yet, this would be my question. What is your active plan to get there? If you know that you're trying to get there and you know you're not there yet, what is the process to get to that goal? And if you don't have one, I would invite you to make sure that you're here the next couple of weeks as we look at that process in Ephesians 4. As God shows us very specific things that we can do to grow and to be built more in spiritual maturity. If you can't be with us, those will be online. But I invite you to look at those, to check that out. And I also ask you this this morning. If you are more spiritually mature than some people around you, and you recognize that this morning, are you pouring into them? Are you teaching the things that you have learned to those around you? Because we are called to do that. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to have a time of response. This morning, we're going to be singing, Take Time to Be Holy. We're going to sing, Take Time to Be Holy, Speak Oft with the Lord. And so I pray this morning that if you need to spend some time praying and searching and talking to the Lord, you can use this time to do that. But if not, as we sing, don't just sing to try and sound good for those around you, but sing and pay close attention to the words of the song as a response to our recognition that we need to grow to be more like Christ, as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of response.